Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. It just happens we're recording today's show on Good Friday at the time of day Christian churches dedicate to the three hours Jesus spent on the cross. Since there are no coincidences, I thought I'd note that convergence with a convergence of science and religion happening in the world right now, our understanding of God's name, I am. The Bible tells us some 33 centuries ago, Moses asked God, what do I call you? What's your name? And God answered, I am who I am. In Hebrew, that singular imperfect tense includes past and future in the present. I am is isness throughout all time existing in time present. Actions uncompleted, what will be, all together in what we capitalize as the now. God is then and whenever incorporating all eternity in this endless moment. But here's the trick God didn't spell out to Moses. In reality, there is no time as we on earth think we are experiencing it. And that's why Jesus, who we say died on the cross in the year 33 AD, is dying right now because everything is right now. Together with theology, this reality is demonstrated today in quantum physics. Science's understanding of it began when it was demonstrated a beam of light can change its past existence as a particle in order to accommodate its future need to be a wave. It can change its past, and so can you, because of the nowness of all time in God. Not coincidentally, our guest today, Janet Thurgood, suffered from some 30 years before discovering this truth for herself. As a child, Janet was brought up in the LDS faith and experienced several spiritual encounters and visions. And during the years she was having her children and building a successful cleaning business, she also suffered from a variety of chronic autoimmune illnesses, including Epstein-Barr and Lyme disease, which ultimately led to adrenal failure and NDEs as a result of fading in and out of a sick and exhausted body. She fought everything outside of herself, trying to get healthy, running and exercising, even to the point of collapse, before she came to understand through her NDE, the timeless nature of I am extends to us because we share in the I am ourselves. In separating from the physical world, she was given perspectives about herself and about other dimensions that she did not know she had access to before. Today, Janet is a quantum healing practitioner, mentoring people privately and in group settings, helping them develop deeper levels of spirituality, self-awareness, as well as personal growth and transformation. Janet, welcome to this Good Friday edition of NDE Radio. Oh, thank you for the invitation and a good Friday to you too. This is this is epic that we get to talk about these things on Good Friday. Like what a coincidence is that? Uh, I know it's amazing. It's amazing, but you know, it's not a coincidence. There yeah. are no coincidences. No, unless, there really aren't. So this maybe is... we planned this a millennium ago. Yeah. Um Janet, you had some spiritual experiences and visions as a little girl. So tell us a little about that. Well, as a little girl, I've always been really sensitive to everything. My hearing was sensitive. My, like, I couldn't bear loud noises and stuff like that. I was really sensitive to the environment and the world around me. I was backwardly shy. And so because I was so shy, I spent a lot of time within. And I didn't know at the time that that's how you develop expanded consciousness is by going within. So I spent a lot of time kind of going within. Uh, I had a trauma when I was a baby. I fell down. I was kind of pushed down the stairs in a walker oh. and experienced a concussion and two black eyes, bloody nose. I was I just kind of banged up really bad. And I think I may have even at that point popped out of the body. I don't know. Who knows? But um, that my mother said at that point in time, I stopped walking. I stopped talking. I kind of withdrew. I went within. And I used to think I was so backwards as a child, but now I know that was by divine design because God was guiding me back to my inner, uh, the I am, the the inner identity. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so as a child, I had lots of dreams, vivid dreams, like movie screens in full color, like on a big screen, lots of that stuff. But I didn't have language for any of that stuff. I didn't really know how to process it. I would have visitations, um, which is different than dreaming. Um, you, you know, you're consciously aware that someone is in your room. So I had that, the appearance of people would come to me and actually, interestingly enough, people that I later met in real physical form later in life. And I was like, you have been with me my whole life. Uh, so some of that stuff, um, I had, I could sense presences through the veil. I could sense when the presence felt dark or heavy or, you know, dingy. And when the presence was luminous and radiant and light and fluffy. And so I learned early on that I liked the light feeling ones better than the heavy gunky ones. And so that helped me in discerning truth because I could feel it in my bones. I could feel the effects of these presences. Sometimes I would see in vision things would, I would have a vision, like just a little flash. And then the next day, that little flash would play out in my life. And I'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> so some of that stuff, but I, I repressed it. I, as I started to grow and get older, I was kind of made fun of by people for that, um, friends and peers and even siblings. And so I, I just kind of put that part of myself away and became an adult, <laughs> you know? Yeah. How old were you when your uh, autoimmune diseases started kicking in? I was 14 when I was first diagnosed with mono, they called it mono at that time. Um, Then I got it again when I was about 18. And then I got married at 19 and it came back. So I'd had it three times by 19. When I went in finally at that point, after I was married, they, they, that's what they were calling it at that time was this virus that comes from it's, it's an Epstein-Barr virus. I know now there are multi different versions of that virus, but, um, that's what I was diagnosed with. And, uh, and it came with a lot of body pain and fatigue, brain fog, migraines, anxiety, depression, a lot of that stuff. So that was the early parts of it. And I, I didn't know how to get help. We went from doctor to doctor to doctor to try to see if we could get help for this, but it just, kept getting worse. It kept escalating. So by the time I was in my forties, so that started in my teens and early twenties, by the time I was in my forties, it was literally full on Lyme's disease. And all that during that time, you have seven children. Yeah. That's remarkable. Technically I gave birth to six children. I had five miscarriages and then we affectionately adopted uh, a gal from Mexico. So She's my seventh. (laughs) Wow. That couldn't have made it any easier having all of these autoimmune diseases as well. One day you went for a run because you were trying to be normal or get better than normal (laughs) and collapsed by the side of the road. And I think you said it was like the demons of from hell had hit you. (laughs) It felt (laughs) like it. Tell us about that. Yeah. I love how you said I was trying to be normal because that's what I told you, but I was trying to brute force what I saw normal life around me being. I was like, no, I want to be fit. I want to be in shape. I want to do these things. I want to live my life. I want to enjoy my life. But so I was trying to force it into happening, which my, my body couldn't handle that. But yeah, I did. I collapsed. Um, I was on a run. I had been running already. It was a time in my life where I had kind of let go of a lot of the stresses of running a full-time cleaning company, having six children that I was homeschooling and, you know, a newborn and all of that stuff. So I, I knew I had reached a breaking point in my life. And so I put the kids in school, sold my business, let go of a lot of responsibility, and then sat on my couch for a while, nursing a new baby going, I don't know what to do with myself. So I decided, you know, I'm going to do some self-care it's time for me. This is me time. So I, I started eating better, started exercising and I was feeling really, really good for about a month there. Lots of endorphins. And, and then I went on a run one day when I was just not, I was tired. I was feeling some brain fatigue and 
I pushed myself anyways, because I thought, you know what? No pain, no gain. We're going to keep on this regimen or we'll never do it. And so I did push myself through that. I went running and I, and I did collapse. My legs buckled under me and I kind of fell. And as I'm sitting there on the side of the road, I felt dizzy and I thought, oh, I'm going to pass out. So I just started breathing through it. Um, I did not pass out, but I collapsed on the side of the road and noticed I couldn't move my arms or my legs very well. They were stiff. They were tight. They were tense. And I was having a hard time breathing, really hard time. I was really labored and I was kind of scared that I'm in trouble here. I don't have a cell phone. I'm a mile away from my house. I'm out in rural Idaho. And I, I, some fear came across me. And I actually, after it was over, I inched my way back to my home. I finally made it home and got into bed. And I spent the next two months there trying to recover from that experience. But I always told people it felt like this unseen force grabbed me, beat me up and left me for dead on the side of the road Mm. because that's how it felt. Right. I don't know if that was really happening, but it felt that way for, to me. Well, on one level, it might very well have been. Then there was the exercising in the park that led to your uh, near death experience. So why don't we go ahead and talk about that? Yeah. So for two years, I did not exercise other than just maybe walking, but I did not exercise anything hard or fast um, because I, I knew my body was pretty fragile still. So, but I was still doing a lot. I was using plants and herbs and food to support my body. I was really striving for health. I mean, I wanted health and I was putting in long hours studying and researching. What can I do? to support my body better. And so I I spent a lot of years doing self-care. So um, that's kind of important to note. I wasn't just pushing my body to the brink, but um, I do have the tendency to brute force my way through situations sometimes, but I wasn't listening to my body. So same thing. I had an opportunity to join a workout group with some ladies in my church, and I wanted that community and connection. And I wanted to get back in shape again and get stronger. And so I did. About a month in, same thing happened. I felt really tired that morning again, but I wasn't paying attention. I didn't, I didn't connect the dots at all, but I was tired, feeling some fatigue and brain fog and just wasn't feeling it. And I just thought, you know what? No, (laughs) no pain, no gain. I am going, even if I have to just take it slow today, I'll take it slow. And I did, I was trying to be respectful, but I, I, I think I should have listened to my body a little better. Um, I, I went into shock. Um, so I was just doing something simple as calf raises. I was doing up down calf raises on a, on a, some jungle gym equipment. And I got dizzy again. My knees started to buckle and I made my way over to a little bench in the park. And I just separated myself from the rest of the group and just sat on this bench where I very quickly, same thing happened. So my arms and legs sort of went stiff. I couldn't use them. I couldn't move them. I couldn't breathe. I lost my vision. Everything kind of went dark, but I was not, I didn't pass out. I was still very aware of everything around me. And and everything going on inside of me, I could feel my extremities shutting down. I could feel my body shutting down, my breathing, my organs. I don't know to what degree, but I could feel the shutdown. And so the last thing that went through my mind was, I'm probably going to die here. And I don't want to die here. What a horrible place to die. Just no one's even paying attention to me. But they were. The the woman that was running the class paid attention and she quickly took herself from the class and over to the bench where she started trying to revive me because I, I apparently, according to them, they thought I was passed out, but I was very aware. I could hear them. I could sense them. I went from a little bit of panic because I was struggling to breathe. Um, Like I felt like I was sinking into the ground. I don't even know if that makes sense, but it felt like my body was sinking into the ground, but my spirit, I guess, or my consciousness was elevating up and out and they were, you know, jarring me and shaking and slapping my face saying, come on, Janet, you got to breathe. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And the panic in me, 
for, you know, I was struggling to breathe. I felt like I was drowning. The panic almost immediately flipped over into peace, just pure, delicious love and peace. And I stepped into the oneness. Like that's, that's the only way to describe it. I stepped into this oneness and I did travel through this kind of dark corridor where I felt like I was moving away from that scene. And I got down into that deep, dark corridor where, cause I wanted the peace. I was, I was wanting more of that. And I could hear them still saying, come on, Janet, you got to breathe. And I remember thinking, I don't want to, <laughs> this is better. <laughs> yeah. It was the first time really in a long time that I had been out of that exhausted, painful condition. I did not realize how painful it was to be in that body. I just, I didn't realize I, it was normal to me, but being released from it was so effortless and easy and beautiful and wonderful. Um, I felt limitless. I felt um, just expanded consciousness. That's what it was. I remember looking back on the scene at some point I was like, oh, hey, I got my vision back. And I looked back at the situation. I could see it from all perspectives and all angles. I could see it from up above. I could see it from their perspective. I could see it from my own um, out-of-body perspective. And I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, looking at my physical body and thinking, I th that's weird. I thought that was me. So if that's not me, because right now all I'm looking at, and I perceived this through the spirit that I was just looking at a bag of dirt and water. It was inanimate. It was not moving of its own accord. It wasn't doing anything. Um, so that's how I felt about it. My physical body was just this, this big bag of bones and dirt and water. And, but yet I thought it was very familiar and it felt interesting to me. And so I thought, if I'm not that body, then who am I? What am I? What is this? Why am I still conscious? Why am I, why do I feel more alive than I've ever felt in my life before? I didn't really think about death. I wasn't thinking about death. I was just thinking, what is this experience and why am I so limitless right now? So as I'm in that experience and they're trying to resuscitate and revive, um, she, at one point, the gal that was doing that said, your lips were blue. We could not get a pulse. We called 911. Um, I actually did revive just as the paramedics got there. Um, they gave me oxygen and sort of helped me with things. So thankfully they didn't have to do any kind of shocking my system back awake again, but there were a couple of things that I feel like I need to share in my learning. So I, I didn't go to heaven. I didn't cross the threshold, but I feel like I hovered in that threshold between two dimensions, right? I yeah. know that I was there in that hovery place, that etheric place. So the perspective that I feel like I got, there were three things that really stood out to me the most when I came back into the body. And that was, we are not the physical body. It's a part of you. It is a part of your experience. It's divine intelligence. It's a part of you, but it is not the sum total of who you are. So when you look in the mirror and you're just looking at how much fat you have or how many wrinkles you have or whatever, you know, you're not really truly seeing who you really are. You're just looking at dirt and water, right? I remember a month after this experience, I went to a Mary Kay party and the women were all sitting around the table looking into their mirrors going, my nose is too big. My wrinkles are too deep. My, you know, complaining about their faces and their bodies. It just, all this negative self-talk about their physical bodies. And I remember looking into my mirror going, wow, wow, what a miracle I am. <laughs> I am, right? I am this divine I am. And so the second thing that I feel like I learned from it is that death isn't real. It's an illusion. It's it's a process we go through in order to move from one dimension to another, for sure, but it's not permanent. It's not really what we think it is. We are divine, eternal, infinite identities. And we need to remember 
that part of ourselves. So that feeling that I was in when I popped out of the body was like just the epitome of self-love. I don't know if you've ever had moments where you felt so much self-love, love for yourself, and then it can spill out onto others. But that's what it was. Like when I stepped into the oneness, it really, that was at the root, was just love. And that's the third thing that I recognized in this experience was it's all about love. Mm. It's always ever been about love and self-love really to the degree that you can allow yourself to open up to it will allow you your, you to touch the divine and step into oneness with the divine consciousness. So those were the three perspectives I felt like I got from that experience. It's interesting you mentioned the Mary Kay ladies because uh, you told me about when your mother appeared to you sometime after she had passed and how incredibly beautiful she was. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm so grateful to get a chance to tell this story because it's it's just so profound. Before she died, she had bone cancer before she died. Um, it was started out as kidney, but it went into her bones. And I went up there a couple of times to just, as a, I'm a quantum healer. And so at that point, I had some tools and I wanted to share. I wanted to support her and help her. And so I went up there to just see what was possible. And she wasn't in a place where she was really ready to do any inner work because I think at that point it was already written in her program. This was her exit strategy. So there was no inner work that was going to be done, but she came to me about a month after she passed and said, I'm ready now. But she also showed me her higher self and she appeared in a vision at the standing at the foot of my bed. I was not asleep. I was awake but this flash, it was just a very quick flash of her. And I witnessed her. She kept pointing in at herself going, look, look, like she didn't say anything, but just, this is me. Right. <laughs> and she didn't look like her physical body either. She was taller and slender and just more luminous and radiant and standing in this divine glory, this glorified being standing before me. It, it's hard for me to describe it because there aren't human words because language is so fallen, but it really, it took my breath away. It was the most beautiful being I've ever laid eyes on. And I said, mom. And then I, my question to her telepathically was, did you ever, did you ever know this about yourself? Did you ever see this part of yourself when in mortal life? And she said, no. And I walked away from that experience thinking that's tragic that my mother was an amazing human. So for someone to go their whole life and never really know who they are as a divine identity, that's tragedy. But I, at the same time, I understand we're veiled here. We live in a world that's filled with deception. Um, and, and so it's distracting. We can't often tap into that part of ourselves. And so at that point in my life as a quantum healer, I said to myself, I am going to make it my mission to help as many people on the planet learn how to tap into their divine identity and to know yourself is, could there be anything more valuable, more worthy of your attention than that? Yeah. I think not. Then there's the other thing you mentioned that one of the things you mentioned about what you took away from your near death experience was not being afraid of dying. And the example you gave when we talked with, about when your husband Dave ran a red light and how you were appreciating the fact that you might die. Tell that story. Mm. So this happened years after being cracked open by a jolt, an NDE. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I had already at that point in my life been practicing mindfulness, going within, doing my inner work tapping into my higher self, knowing that part of myself and, and existing in an alignment with that part of myself. So I was very practiced at that point, but we were driving down the road and something happened. He got distracted, ended up running a red light. And as we went through the intersection, all of a sudden time stood still. You know how it goes into 
everything slows down and you're moving through space, really slow motion. That's what happened to me. And I saw two possibilities. I'm sure there were millions of possibilities, but I saw two. The one was the truck that was coming through the intersection at the time that we ran the red light. I saw it crash into our car, T-bone us and hit me straight on. And I saw my body just fly to pieces. And then I saw the other possibility, which was what ultimately happened, which was we swerved out of the way. We slammed on our brakes. David did some screaming and clinching of the wheel (laughs) and, and like that stuff. But I noticed that in it, there wasn't time to react. There wasn't time to think through anything or do anything. But in it, I was still reclined in my chair, holding a drink in my hand, just completely and totally at peace, totally relaxed. I was okay with the both scenarios. I looked at both of them. I wandered down both paths and I was like, that's fine. That's fine too. Like, what do I have to worry about? I'm an infinite being. So I don't have any skin in the game over whether I go that direction or that direction. So I didn't clamp down. I didn't resist it or, you know, tighten up or scream or anything because there was no fear. And it was the first time in my life that I ever went, wow, wow, you can be in a situation where death is staring you in the face and be neutral. Like it is what it is. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, bring it on. Whatever happens in my life, it's fine. I'm an infinite being. So what could possibly threaten me? And and when we got kind of pulled over to the side and Dave was shaking and I was looking at him and he looked at me and he was like, what is wrong with you? You didn't even respond. We almost died back there. I'm still holding my drink and reclined and I'm just like really relaxed and feeling good. And that was the first time I'd ever really noticed the effects of being tapped into the infinite, being tapped into the divine oneness, the consciousness of who you really are. Yeah. That's a real test. I mean, most every NDE that comes back has, if they've seen something really wonderful on the other side, say, well, I'm not afraid of dying. But when the time comes, <laughs> there's still some caution. And this one was a real proof that you were right when you said, I'm not afraid of death. Yeah. Do you know what it's like? And I would ask your listeners this. Do you know what it's like to walk this planet and not ever have to worry about the fear of death to just be, I just am. So I'm okay. Like, what do I have to worry about? So to be in that place of neutrality is connected to the divine. Gosh, it's a wonderful way to live your life because nothing can trigger you. Yeah, so freeing. I mean, we base our lives either on, you know, on that scale from fear to love and back again. And uh, it moves you so many more notches toward the love part when you're no longer afraid of dying. Yeah. Now, I'm not in that state 24 7, 100% no, of the no, time. No, we're, we're still ex- human beings. <laughs> yeah, we're still human beings. And yet, the, this world is very distracting, stuff can happen. But it was the first time in my life I ever really recognized, wow, look what's possible for us as humans. It really redefines what it means to be a human. Yeah. You've had other, what we call spiritually transforming experiences. Tell us a few of those, if you would. Oh, I don't even know where to begin with that. There's so many. I filled up journals and journals and journals of these types of um stepping in and touching the divine. I'll tell you one, this was long after my NDE. And as you know, you know, what happens to us after we have these, uh, I don't like to call them NDEs because I think lots of us are having these kinds of experiences, but we don't even know that we're having it because we think, well, I didn't die. So I, you know, but really when you go through that trauma phase or that jolt phase, where you go through the dark night of the soul and you get cracked open. It's interesting to see what happens later down the road. But I think that God ultimately is trying to um, wake us up to who we really are so that we can be more powerful, more sovereign. So I was pondering on some of that stuff. I was sitting in LDS culture. We have a place where we can go to worship and it's meaningful in our temple. And I was sitting in our temple one day 
just pondering. And I felt the presence of the Lord walk in to the room. And I had at that point already had had this established relationship or connection with him in that way. And I saw him walk into the room and just stand there. He was looking at all the people and he'd, he'd walk around and touch them. He'd put his hand on their shoulders. He would put hands on their, on his, their heads. Um, but in, in this vision that I was having and experiencing in spirit, I noticed that everybody in the room was asleep. Like they didn't even, they had no idea what was happening or what I was seeing at least anyways, you know, Mm. maybe they weren't, that wasn't happening to them, but I, it was happening to me and I was seeing it anyway. He did that. Then he walked to the back of the room and started to communicate with me telepathically. And I said, Lord, why are you here? What are you here to teach me? And he said, what do you want to know? (laughs) And, and I, it caught me off guard because he doesn't come with an agenda. He doesn't push anything onto you. It's all about you and it's your free will. So I said, I don't know what I want to know in this moment, but I want to learn from you. So he said, get up and come to the back of the room and be with me. And so in my mind's eye, in this vision, I stood up and spiritually walked to the back of the room. And as he was standing there, his arms were open and I stepped into the hug And as I stepped into the hug, my energy went right into his body. You know, Mm. like, you know, your presence, your essence, whatever the vibe that you're putting off, it went into him and his transferred over and went into me. I felt him come into my soul and I felt my soul go into him. And it was oneness like I have never experienced before, almost like I swallowed him in and he swallowed me in and we were one. Mm. And I heard in my mind hearts and minds knit together. And that was the first time I ever realized that we are not confined to the mortal construct of just a physical body, that oneness is really, really real. And that was the first time I experienced oneness in that way, like even more than when I had my NDE. So when I had my NDE and I popped out of the body and I asked, wait, if I'm not that body, then who am I? I did experience this amazing epiphany where I went, I went within, but also without, if that makes any sense at all. So from my center, the center of my soul, I just like a lightning bolt, I just went boom. And it was almost like an explosion of light. And I felt like I'd stepped into the center of the sun and the sun had stepped into the center of me. And that was me. I became the container of the universe. My light became the container of the universe. And at that moment in time, when I stepped into the oneness, just like I did in the temple, I was one with everything that ever was. I was one with every blade of grass, every hair on everyone's head, every molecule of dirt from the tallest mountain peak to the lowest, you know, the bottom of the sea. I was one with it and I was experiencing it all simultaneously at the same time all at the same time. And I realized in that moment, when I spirit travel, I'm not traveling. I'm just putting my consciousness somewhere. I'm already one. I'm already in the experience of it all. All I have to do is shift my consciousness or my focus, my attention, because where your attention goes, that's where spirit flows. So that was the experience I had in the temple was just the realization of, wow, we are a lot more connected than we think. We are a lot more powerful than we think. Spirit travel is not really spirit travel. It is you're one already. It's you're you're tapping into the oneness of all that is, past, present, future, but also everything in the universe that exists. You are one with it already. But so to have awareness of that and conscious awareness of that is such a gift. And this is now what I teach in my quantum healing programs is that you can have these NDE-like experiences as often as you choose to go inside and do that inner work. So my, my, my mission, I guess what I've made my mission, my, I've made a covenant that this is going to be my life's work until I die, which is to help people to tap in help people to find oneness, help people to learn neutrality, 
that they're safe right where they are. You are always right where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, even if that means dying. When you say within, you're not talking solely within the, our bodies, our physical bodies. Are you talking about mind or soul? What are you going within? Soul? Um, so when I take my students through it, my students don't know this, but I am actually taking them through what I experienced in my NDE and, and other times since then. Because um, I've had hundreds of coming and goings in and out of the body. So I take them into their bodies because that's where the center of the soul is. If you're alive, you're the center of your soul is within, but it's also outside of you, right? It's also expanded out from there. So I like to go within because I think it feels safe to people. When I take them out into the ether, that can be terrifying because they feel um, disconnected. So to be connected to you is to go within. So I have them drop down out of their brain. It's not in the mind. Um, I go to the base of the spine. I, I say, get out of your head, get into your body, drop down to the base of the spine. And from there, push that light out and expand out. So I literally walk them through this guided meditation of experience expansion, the expansion of your essence, your vibration, your presence, right? Like, expand that out to see if you can fill up the whole room with the consciousness of you from within. And like you stepped into the center of the sun and the sun stepped into the center of you, could you shine your light on every corner, every crack, every crevice? And then could you go out into the, into the, the ether and do it out into the universe? And then I'll say to them, where does your light end and God's light begin? And then they'll think about it. And they'll be like, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like saying, where does the air in the living room end and the air in the kitchen begin? It doesn't. There's no separation. It's just air. It just is. So the light that is within you is just light. It just is. But what makes you a unique thumbprint is you are an individual, unique expression of the light that is everywhere, that is in and around and through all things, you are expressing it through your soul. And every soul is a unique expression of the light. And there's a void if you don't express it, if you don't connect to it, if you don't understand it and know your divine identity in that way. Most people won't experience their divine identity through seeing it. They'll feel it. When I take people through these guided meditations, I'll say, what do you feel? And they'll say, oh, it just feels like home. It feels like love. It feels like peace. It feels like power. It feels, I feel resolute. I, all these adjectives start pouring out. And I'm like, you just described you. That's you. I think at one point you talked about, you had this experience that it was like the top of your head had opened up. <laughs> like a tuna fish can, I believe you said, yeah, and like... which which creates a very interesting image. And then all <laughs> of this light, of this download of, of information came to you. Well, so yeah, talk... that was what happened when I stepped into the oneness, when I stepped into the pure consciousness as I was out of the body and separated from the body. It did, to some degree, felt like my body was just laying there and I had Someone had opened up the can with a can opener and peeled back, you know, the lid of the tuna fish can. And then all of a sudden now all this divine light is just flowing in. And I could tell when I asked, who am I? What, what is in this body that's animating the body? Like, have you ever stopped to wonder Who's in there? <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's looking through the eye holes when you witness the world and you observe the world around you? Mm. Who's doing that? Who's doing the looking? Who's, who's observing and witnessing and experiencing the animation of your body? Like, who's in there? And so that was my question was, what am I? Who am I? So that was, you know, when I had that experience of, the crown just opened up, peeled back, all this light poured in. And I realized in that moment, I am light. Yeah. I am love. I am peace. 
I am hope. I am, I am, I just am. I just am. You've said that Jesus has taken you places. Are those internally seen places or are these out-of-body experiences? Um, they're both. They're both. So yeah, it's internal. So you're seeing through the mind's eye, which is the looking through the eye of faith or spirit. Yeah. So I've had other experiences where I was awakened in the middle of the night. And I feel like I should precursor it with, these are the effects of spiritual awakening. So my, for me, having a near-death experience was the catalyst that cracked me open, but the results or the, the fruits or the, how do I, the long-term effects, right, of having that is you're going to be more spiritually aware. You're going to wake up to gifts and abilities you didn't know you had access to. So the beauty is you don't have to die to do it. You just have to go within. Anyways, one night I was awakened at about three o'clock in the morning and had a six hour experience in spirit. So what happened was for the first two hours, the, the Lord came and stood by my bed and woke me up and took me by the hand spiritually. Obviously it wasn't a physical experience, but it was a spiritual experience so I'm witnessing this in the same way that I witnessed my mother through the veil. And he said, come with me. And I said, okay. And so we, we went out into the oneness. And the oneness involves not just this world, but the cosmos, right? So we went out into that space, but we were viewing the earth from up above. And I, I think I, I said this before, but I've told this story a million times, but I always feel like this experience was a lot like what's the Christmas, the Christmas Carol movie where he's visited <laughs> by three personages and they take him places and he views stuff. That's what it was. But the Lord was guiding it and he was showing me stuff. And the first two hours was just war global. I could see global, this global darkness covering the whole earth. And it was just war and the way I describe it is if you've ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, I watched that movie one time and the carnage in that movie changed me forever. I, I cried for two weeks after watching that. It was, I'm super sensitive anyways to violence and I can't, I can't consume that kind of stuff. And I, it took me two weeks to recover from watching that, but it was like that for two hours. So this vision, I'm looking at the earth, the people on the earth, there's just carnage and darkness and people trying to, to come through it. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to see this anymore. Just take it, take it from me. And he said, no, I need you to see it. You need to see it. And then I said, is there any place on the earth that is not riddled with war in this scene? And he said, yeah, I'll show you. And he points to this pin poke of a tiny little pinhole in the Pacific ocean. And he's like, right there. And then I looked at him and he said, just kidding. <laughs> it's everywhere. And anyways, that ended the vision. Then there was a message for me, a personal message of my personal mission that I'm not going to go into. It's too personal, but there was a message for me. And then I went back into sleep again. And I woke up again, two hours later on the dot to the, to the perfect on the dot, two hours later, and he was there again by my bed and said, come and see. And so I came and went and saw, and he took me around the earth after war. And this segment was called rescue. And we saw all of the recovery and the rescue and the pulling people out of places where they were trapped and pulling people out of, you know, it was like a war zone or, a, or a, it looked like a tornado had hit. So we were unburying the rubble and pulling people out. But there was also a lot of underground work, taking people out of prison, taking people out of trafficking, taking people out of places where they had been so dehumanized, you can't even imagine what they looked like. Didn't even look human anymore. And I could hardly bear to watch that. And I pleaded with him to just take it away. I don't want to see this. And he said, I need you to see it. Then that was over and I was given another message. And the third segment of two hours, 
of traveling was healing. So the word was healing. This was my favorite segment. I was like, I could be in this space all day long because this is, this is up my alley. And, and what I saw was after the war, after the rescue, there were all these little lights that started poking up all over the globe, little lights, one household at a time, one human soul at a time, one little light. There's a song about that one little light at a time. And they're starting to connect and they're, they're coming together and they're like, Hey, hi, where have you been? Kind of a thing. And then they form these little cities of light all around the earth until the earth is just covered in little cities of light until the whole earth is consumed in light and love and healing and peace. And what I saw was what the healing centers were at that time in this vision was homes. The homes that were left were there by divine design because those were the beings who wanted to build an earth that could flood it, be flooded with light. And, um, so those homes were healing centers. People that needed refuge and safety were brought into the healing centers. They were given food. They were replenished and restored. And then they were taught the laws of love. And it's simple. Everyone can learn it. It's our heritage. <laughs> it's where we come from anyways. So that was a profound experience I will never, ever, ever forget. I don't even think I wrote it down because I'll never forget it. Wow. And you feel that this is a prophecy of what we've got to look forward to? I don't know that it's literal. I don't know. I do feel we already are at war. We are battling against ourselves. We're battling against ideologies. We're battling against darkness. We're battling against discompassion, evil, harm, and wrong. So, yeah, we're, we're battling against that so that we can figure out who we are as humans. If we want to know who we are, we're going to be pushed to the outer limits of who we aren't. Mm. And so I do believe to some degree, I don't know if this is symbolic or not, but look at the world we're in right now. We're already going through carnage. We're already going through darkness. We're already in that phase. I think that we're about to enter in some into some sort of transition phase where there will be a lot of rescuing and um, and then ultimately healing. And then ultimately after that, after the healing, the free will to choose, you know what? We've been through hell. We don't want to live that way anymore. We want light. We want love. We want peace. So we're going to intentionally choose to build a world that is flooded with those things. And we'll build it here on earth. I believe, I believe we will. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all <laughs> things, but I, that's my, that's my thinking. Yeah. Oh. I think the world is already the globe. Mother earth wants to up level and she is, but the people, the humanity here has to up level too. And in order to up-level, you got to go through the dark night of the soul. You got to go through a near-death experience. You got to go through um, transition. It's a requirement for all of us. If we want to spiritually awaken, you have to go through these kinds of cracking open experiences. And Mother Earth's going through it. Look at how polluted she's been. Look at how look at the evil and the carnage and the carnality that's on the earth right now. So yes, everybody wants to hold the big, the, the beautiful newborn baby, but nobody wants to push it out and give birth to it. But that has to happen. There has to be that passing through the threshold, passing through the corridor, that is death. So yes, symbolically and maybe literally, there has to be some sort of death globally in order for us to, to transcend and ascend through the darkness and overcome and step into love, step into life because we choosed it. We chose it. Step into the light, step into peace, stepping into our divine identity and allowing for every human to have the freedom to do that without suppressing them. Do you foresee that as a spiritual 
existence or as um, reincarnation into a better earth? Mm, I love that. I would ask you that, but yes, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe mother earth will have a reincarnation into a, a new redeemed, reclaimed body. I don't know. Mm. And maybe uh, it is spiritual. Maybe it's physical. I, I just don't know. There have been some theories that we, that God uses the earth as a training program and between the lost civilizations that grow up and then wind up destroying themselves, the stories of Atlantis and that sort of thing, that then the earth recycles, it floods, yeah, a, a meteor hits us, something goes and clears the deck for the next generation of people to come and go through what we're going through now. Yes. So well, it could be a, a platform. The earth could be a platform that's been used over and over and over again. I think so. But I think what we're going through on this planet right now and what we're getting ready to step into is something this earth has never seen before and never known before in its history, like in the fullness of it. We Yes, we've had glimpses of it in different societies and cultures, but I think that where it's headed is the fullness, the unfolding of the fullness. So I actually believe with, with reincarnation coming back in and out for learning, at some point you transcend the need to do that, to go back to school, you enter into the master's program and, or your doctorate program. And, and it's no longer required that you, there's, I think it's scripturally the words are to go no more out. So when you ascend and you, and you do connect to the God source that is within you and you know, that's your identity and that's who you are and how you be, that's goddess. That's a goddess. That's godhood, right? So as a godhood level, your experience is going to be very different. And so maybe the earth is ascending in that same way and she's going to grow and expand and not need to go out anymore or to die anymore, but to be renewed and receive this paradise, the robes of paradise eternally. That's how I see it. And it I think that's why everyone's so interested in this planet. That's why we're having all of these visitations from extraterrestrials. That's why everybody in the universe is so very keenly in, interested, intrigued in our world, because they know that we are on the cusp of something really important and this, it could make or break us. And it's such a jewel. And you see those photographs of earth from space. It's, it's so precious and so beautiful. It is. Indeed. Now, on a totally different note, Lilia told me that the Holy Mother told you to write songs. <laughs> yes. So the Divine Mother. Yes. I feel this is the, the Divine Mother to me is the goddess, the goddess version of God. Sure. She came to me about five or six years ago and said, I'm going to extend an invitation to you to write music. And when you write the music, it's going to look like this. And she showed me an image of <laughs> colors and light and sound and crystals. Like they looked like they, I have these little crystals in these shapes that are like geometrical sacred geometry shapes. That's what that looked like. And I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how to write music that does that or looks like that. And she said, just write it from your soul. Let the light come into you and let you let yourself write the music. And so I just started writing from my soul. And um, I've written about, I don't know, 20, 20 songs or so. Uh, last fall, I had the opportunity to go to Nashville and um, produce three of them with some friends of mine, and it was a really fun experience. Um, these songs are written based in personal experience, but also the experiences that I've witnessed in my clients as I work one-on-one -on -one with my mentoring clients. So it's deeply profound experience. Um, this song that I sent you is called Fly and it literally is about connecting with the divine I am and remembering who you are. 
It's a wonderful song. The other two songs are wonderful too. Love's an Ocean. Fantastic. Everyone should hear this. It's really nice. And you you have another career stretching out ahead of you as a songwriter and performer. Janet, I want to thank you so much for sharing your STEs, your NDEs, your point of view on life and your music with us today. Tell folks how they can find your website, how they can get in touch with you about your free classes. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love that. We would love you to join us every week. Every Tuesday, I do a live Zoom class where we talk about spiritual sovereignty. This this year is all about sovereignty. Next year is going to be all about unconditional love because that's what we do. Um, so you can get access to all of that just by going to my website. It's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, Thurgood, T-H-U-R-Good.com. And if you just go to that website, you'll find everything that you need to know about how to get in touch with me. Lovely. Thanks. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a privilege. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 490 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button or go to our YouTube channel, 
NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. Be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. Listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.